0: 2 Samuel, chapter 15. At the end of chapter 14, Avshalom is not only brought back to the land, but the king, and to his house, but the king actually agrees to see Avshalom. Now, the king initially had said Shalom should stay in his house. He cannot see my face. The seeing of a face often means forgiveness, acceptance, but the king refused to allow Absalom to see him, the reason seems to be that he is annoyed that Yoav has manipulated these events. But at the end of the chapter, after Absalom Af burns down Yoav's field, and Yoav said, "Why did you burn down my field?" Absalom says, "I want to see the king. What's my point of coming back and not seeing the king?" So Yoav entreats the king. He sets up a meeting, and the Absalom goes to the king. The last verse of chapter fourteen shalom, and the king kissed Ab shalom So it sounds like they have kissed and made up. Ab shalom is back in the king's good graces, and we know that Avshalom is a leading contender uh, to succeed King David. Now we come to our chapter, chapter fifteen. Sometime afterward, Shalom provided himself with a chariot, horses, and 50 runners. So the idea of the chariot, the horses, and the 50 runners is ready to proclaim himself king now. We have a similar instance in the beginning of the Book of Kings in Mulachim, where Adonia, a younger brother of Avshalom, who has pretensions to the throne, does a similar thing. In other words, Avshalom may be in the king Goods, king's good graces. He's not waiting for the, his father to die and take over. He wants to establish himself as king now. And now the chapter continues with the following uh, story. V'yishkim Abshalom, v'yomad al Ya hashar, v'hi koha isha sheyeloriv lavoha ha so, Avshalom would get up early in the morning, stand by the road to the city gates. Whenever a man had a case that was to come before the king for judgment, Avshalom would call out to that person and say, What town are you from? Oh, from so and so town. And Avshalom would say, Avshalom would say, He made the varecha. Tovim Oh, your claim is right and just. ein But there's no one assigned to you by the king to hear your case. That is to say, you sound like you have a just cause but this king is not terribly concerned about justice. And Avshalom would circulate and repeat the following uh, point and he would say by Yom Rav Shalom barats Shalom said, Who would make me the ruler of the land? The Shofet, the judge. And anyone who had a rive, a dispute, and a matter of, for judgment, I would vindicate him. And here we have two words that come together, mishpat and tzedakah. We remember that back in chapter 8, in the little biography of David, that David did mishpat utztaka Mishpat mishpat. Those are the two terms, and that's why the king was chosen in the first place. Ushvatanu malkeinu. So what Abshalom is saying is that this is a king who doesn't administer justice. And the text continues in chapter 15, verse 5, When someone would come to bow down to Avshalom, son of the king, an important person, he would hold him and kiss him. Avshalom would kiss this person. He would act this way towards all of Israel, who would come for judgment to the king. Absalom won away, literally stole away the hearts of the people of Israel. This is a very interesting description of Absalom for the following reason. On one hand, the picture of this person in the gate telling everybody their cause is just. Not everybody's cause can be just. The person who, oh don't bow down to me, and he kisses him. It's like the politician kissing the babies. And in the previous chapter, ended with the king kissing Avshalom. There, the kiss of David for Avshalom is genuine. But the kissing of Shalom to the people coming from Mishpat is certainly not genuine, nor is the claim that everybody's got to be right. Would that I would become the judge of the land, which means the king. Having said all that, and this is a negative description of Avshalom, and I would add to it, that was the end of the previous chapter. After we're told that the king allows Absalom to return, but does not allow him to see the king. In the end of the previous chapter, chapter 14, verse 25, ish Absalom was a beautiful person. From head to toe he had no blemish. He would let his hair grow very long and from time to time was so heavy that he had to cut his hair. He would cut his hair and it weighed 200 shekels by the royal weight. So the description of Av Shalom of this beautiful person who, from time to time, weighs his hair. He cuts his hair, and and the book tells us the weight of the hair. There is a sense over here of a self-centered person. So there is a negative description of Absalom, which I say begins already in the previous chapter, continues through this chapter. In contrast to the picture of Absalom that we saw in chapter 13, and Amnon, and, and Tamar. And there he's a a good man. He kills his brother, but his brother deserves it. He waits to do it. He kills only his brother. doesn't kill anybody else. The story of Dina, which comes to mind there, by contrast, is people avenging their sister by killing many people. Avshalom kills the one guilty party. But here the point I want to make is that the text is now giving us a negative side of Ab Shalom, but even in the negative side of Ab Shalom, it reminds us about something else. What is driving this man, this self-centered man, this clever politician? What drives him is something real. Two words, tzedakah and mishpat. The, the anger, the incredible anger he has towards his father is a function of the fact that from his perspective... And I would add from the book's perspective, the king is not administering justice. That's what drives him. So even though he's described as a real politician, kissing all the people and everybody's right, what city are you from? Oh, from that city? Forget about it. I care about all the cities. This is the picture of Absalom that emerges in our chapter, and we began already with it in the previous chapter, the self-centeredness. But there's something about him that's still very, very positive. This is a very important point. The next few chapters deal with Avshalom. And what is clear, I think, is that in the death of Avshalom, David feels something is irretrievably lost. The fact of the matter is, the book presents Avshalom as the best candidate to succeed David. Something goes horribly wrong. We can blame Avshalom we will also blame David as well. So Avshalom is now winning the hearts, or stealing the hearts of all of Israel. And now we come to chapter 15, verse number 7, the text that we have before us. There's an alternative reading as well in the Septuagint. But our reading is, Vahim arbaim shana, At the end of 40 years, Vayom rav shalom Absalom goes to his father and says, Father, I want, to, I want to pay the debt, the vow, that I vowed when I was, uh, I want to pay it in Hebron. <speaking> in <Hebrew> Your servant took a vow. <speaking in Hebrew> when I was in Geshur, when I was exiled. <speaking in Hebrew> if God allows me to return to Jerusalem, I will serve God. I want to go to to bring sacrifices and the king sends him there go in peace so two points here one is that this takes place we are told at the end of 40 years presumably it means 40 years from the time David assumes the throne now 40 years is a generation in the Bible it means David's reign is coming to an end this is an important point of course, the question with Avshalom, you can see him two ways. He wants to overthrow the king and start a new kingship, much as David does not succeed Saul, but rather replaces <coughs> replaces Saul. Or well, one could see Avshalom as David's successor. So the 40 years is interesting in this respect. This will play out later in the story. And the second point, he goes to his father. He wants his father to send him to Hebron gives the impression of David's approval. And he says something to his father that his father would certainly uh, relate to. Now that I have returned, now that I've come to Jerusalem, I want to serve God. When David came to Jerusalem, David said to the prophet, I'm in Jerusalem, I have a fancy house, building of cedars, God dwells behind the curtains, I want to build God a house. It comes from a good place, a place of gratitude. So when Avshalom talks to his father, he talks the language that David can connect to. In other words, the danger of Avshalom here is the danger of somebody who's so close to you, who understands you perfectly. Those people are the most dangerous. So Avshalom poses a real threat to David and has a strong chance, as we will see, of overturning his father and replacing his father. This is the story of Ab Shalom. It continues all the way through chapter 19, the aftermath of Ab Shalom, perhaps even chapter 20. So we will continue uh, tomorrow.